0: Well, it's good to be back here at Porchlight Baptist Church here on this Palm Sunday. Um, Was this, April the 2nd, uh, which is a week before Easter. Easter will be next, next week, next Sunday, and so looking forward to that. And then um, I'll go ahead and announce on the 16th I'll be at Highland Baptist Church preaching there, 10.30 a.m. Um, that's our former church where I pastored for eight years. And looking forward to going there and preaching for those folks. Uh, before we get into the message, I do want to give a few prayer requests. I'd like for you to remember the family of Vivian Bailey, who passed away last week. Her funeral service is tomorrow night at Click Funeral Home. And then my brother in law's sister, Martha Roberts, uh, she has cancer, and uh, uh, Wayne requested prayer for her last night. Uh, Pray pray for my mother. She's been in Forsyth, if I'm saying it right, Forsyth Medical uh, Center Hospital there in Winston-Salem. She's been in there for, wow, about uh, 11 days or 12. She's been there quite a while and uh, trying to get her heart rate back in in rhythm and uh, some other issues she's dealing with. So pray for her. And then uh, pray for me. I've been having a stomach problem for about almost a week now and I'm um, hoping I'm not have to go back to the hospital again like I did last time. But uh, pray for pray for me if you have time. All right. Well, this morning we are in the Gospel of John. We're not in our sermon series in John like we've been in. So uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 12 and it is a Palm Sunday message. John chapter 12, and Lord willing, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 19 on this message I've titled, A Face in the Crowd. You may be surprised at who you find there. John chapter 12, and we'll go ahead and read from verse 12 to verse 19. Here the Bible says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem... "...took branches of palm trees, and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord." And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, "...fear not, daughter of Sion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt." These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause, the people also met him, for that they had heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive you how you prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word today. Lord, I'm praying now that you help us as we try to preach on this, God, that you'll be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, a lot of things have led up to this point in time in the life of Jesus. It's come to the end of his earthly ministry. It's been going on for a little over three years. And if you were to read the previous chapter in chapter 11, you would have seen a very familiar story where it was referred to here jesus raised his friend lazarus from the dead now because of this great miracle that was performed and so many people witnessed it and had heard about it over just a, a short amount of time many many people had came out uh, many came out and i believe right, rightly believed in jesus However, the, most of this crowd that was there that day were there as onlookers. They were rubberneckers. That uh, They were just people that came out to be part of the crowd, see what was going on, part of the scene. Now, bear in mind that at this point in time, uh, in, in that day, this was the busiest week in Jerusalem. All people from all over the world were coming, all Jews, were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Which was coming up and that was one, a once a year event. And so this whole week, the, the, the Sunday leading up to it and the end of the Passover, this was extremely important for, for the Jew. And so Jerusalem was at its, probably its highest number of people at the time. Uh, put together that with all these that's, that's heard about Jesus now that's coming out and following him. Uh, it has spread like wildfire. Uh, many people believed on him because of it. But there was another problem that occurred because of this. The The uh, Jewish r- religious leaders, had uh, they were very disturbed over what had happened. In fact, they planned to murder Lazarus because of this. And, of course, they already had in, uh, it set up to murder Jesus. So, uh, But they were going to murder Lazarus because of this, and uh, it was causing so much disturbance for them, because this was contrary to everything they'd always taught. I mean, they were just, you know, law and, and all this. And so uh, they didn't believe in Jesus, the majority of them. Now, we, we saw like, what, two weeks ago we preached on Nicodemus and how he was one that that believed Jesus and believed in him. But the the vast majority of the Jewish leadership of Israel did not believe in Jesus. And so this, this caused a lot of issues. Now, the popularity of Jesus at this time was at its very highest. Uh, he'd gained many people we know from the from the beginning of his earthly ministry and, and everything that so many more people were coming to follow him. We remember, of course, the famous Sermon on the Mount where so many people came and he taught the people from that mountainside. Uh, but more and more people are, are coming to him. Uh, a lot of them thought their Messiah was finally here. Now what they were expecting at this point in time though was for him to mount a white stallion and to come roaring into Jerusalem to be the king. They expected him to take down the Roman uh, government and to establish his own kingdom there and rule and reign there in Jerusalem on the throne of David. That They expected that at that point in time. Many of them did. The problem was Jesus was... Everything opposite of what they assumed the Messiah would be when he came. Again, they, they assumed he would come right again on a white stallion like any conqueror would or any king. But Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. And, of course, they assumed that he would cause a disruptance in Rome, which probably would have led to bloodshed. How else are you going to run Rome out of Jerusalem and out of their jurisdiction well they expected bloodshed but jesus said uh that his servants did not come to fight and of course the white stallion that they expected to ride in on turned out to be the the cult of an ass just a little donkey and one that never been ridden before so this was a very awkward scene for many people that was expecting this king to come riding into jerusalem a lot, of, a lot of different things happening. Now, I want you to consider this morning, though, for a little bit about all the different people that were there in the crowd. I told you I titled the message, A Face in the Crowd. And we'll look at some of these faces that we see in the crowd that was there on that Palm Sunday. and uh, And see kind of maybe what their perspective was as Jesus came riding up that hill into Jerusalem on that donkey. Well, there, in our opening text, verse twelve, it said, "On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So the Bible doesn't give us an accurate account of the number of people that were there. The Lord could have done that if he'd so desired, but he did not. Sometimes in the Bible, we are given numbers, like in the book of Acts, we see that three thousand souls were saved, and then the church multiplied, and we saw five thousand we seen feeding." Uh, the thousands and all this and so we're given numbers at some points in the bible but here the lord doesn't give us the the amount of number of people that was there um but like i said this was the busiest week in jerusalem so a lot of people uh this happened on a sunday the first day of the week and five days before passover now the jews again they celebrated passover once a year And every male Jew was supposed to come to Jerusalem for the Passover and attend there. Uh, They would travel from all over the world into the holy city of Jerusalem to celebrate this special event. Uh, For Jerusalem, it was the busiest and most crowded time of the year. On top of those Passover crowds, you had the crowds that were already thronging and following Jesus. Now, there's a Jewish historian, and I've got his book in there. Um, he wrote a lot of things that occurred during the time of Jesus. And according to Josephus, there were over 2 million people in the city at that time. That's a lot of people in, in a not such a huge city. And so that's a lot of people. And that's probably one of the reasons when we look down in verse 19 that the, the Pharisees or those uh, uh, Jewish leaders there, the Pharisees it says, said, Behold the world... It's gone after him. To them, it probably appeared the entire world was there following Jesus. Of course, everything is based on your own perspective of how you see things. Here in our little uh, place of East Tennessee, when a big event happens, I believe there was a, a huge concert that, that was here this weekend. I, I don't even know who it was, but I know all my Facebook friends were talking about going to this concert. Um, maybe it's the Eagles, I believe. Anyway, <laughs> So, tons of my Facebook friends were all talking about being there. They actually, you know, tell I'm in seat so and so, and aisle so and so, and all this stuff. Big event. Now, to somebody just passing through, may say, "My goodness, the whole world is here!" After, after seeing this uh, group or person who's come to sing or whatever. Um, but in in the eyes of these Pharisees. It appeared to them the whole world has come out to to follow this guy. That doesn't sit well with them. And so if you think about it there, if you want to imagine yourself being there in that huge crowd of people. Now, I don't like crowds. I can't stand them. I get nervous. I almost have a panic attack when I get in a huge crowd. I don't like it. No reason to be in some big crowd like that. Uh, I know one day we'll be in heaven and it'll be a whole lot of people, but I believe there'll be plenty of room. And besides, we won't have all of our earthly problems up there, so it won't—I'm sure it won't bother me. But uh, anyway, um, I like to think of it when I study the Bible and try to put myself in place there in the crowd. Imagine the sounds that's going on—you can hear the people talking, and uh, maybe some's laughing. Um, I don't know what all they're doing. You can hear. Their the feet as they they stomp through there on the on the ground and uh, maybe the donkey or other animals. I'm sure there's a lot of animals because all these sacrifices are going to be made. It's so probably hear the animals, maybe the sheep bleeding from over the the wall or something before they get there, and just uh, so much uh, sound. The Roman soldiers that was there with their armor and everything else clinking around, and so a lot of noise, a lot of people. There was probably Uh, fat people there skinny people you know short people tall people soldiers slaves children women men uh young boys and girls animals just a hodgepodge of activity so think of it in that terms don't just think of you know uh, a few people over here wearing robes or something you know a lot of times when we start thinking about the bible we start thinking you know that, uh, that a certain way especially the way they portray it on on movies and things and you expect it to look a certain way but don't don't allow movies in hollywood to interpret your vision of the bible or your view of the bible and and things that went on so it could have been much like a huge carnival to us uh if we went to a uh, say when the fair comes to town and all those people thousands of people going there into chilhowey park and uh, all the rides and, and all the, the hodgepodge of activity going on, uh, probably a very bustling time. And so uh, we we know for a fact there would be Roman soldiers there. And so I can imagine these Roman soldiers, as they're posted there, they're supposed to be keeping order. It's their job to make sure nothing got out of hand. And you got a crowd this big, something's liable to happen. Now, if word gets back to Rome... That uh, somehow um, uh, Pilate, who is the governor of Rome, if word gets out that he's allowed some kind of tumult, is, is what the Bible calls them, you know, a disturbance uh, there in uh, Jerusalem, then things are going to go bad. And so they were having to keep peace. They're the law of the town. Their orders were to look out and keep an eye on anything that may cause a disruption uh, of the government or the flow of things or anything like that. Now, uh, I can see a Roman soldier there, and maybe he's wearing his armor. Maybe he's got a shield in one hand, a sword, a sheath or something in his on his side. Uh, maybe he's got on one of those helmets with the, the red flume coming out of the top of it and a feather. He, I'm sure he looks rough. I mean, if you're going to be a Roman soldier, you're not going to be a little wimpy guy. You're going to be a tough guy. Uh, I'm sure all those guys, you didn't want to mess with them. And so uh, he probably doesn't look happy. Uh it's, it's a known fact that the Romans hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Romans. So there was always this ill will present, and no doubt these soldiers were there because they had to be. That was their post. And uh, probably just ready to go home. Couldn't wait till their shift ends so they could go home and get out of them stinking Jews and spawn around this guy. And then suddenly here comes this man Jesus riding in on this little, little colt. And I imagine to the Roman soldiers this probably looked like the craziest thing in the world. Why are all these people falling this guy riding on this little bitty colt? Are they out of their mind? and so they might have been laughing about it and uh the you know thinking these crazy Jews thinks this guy's their king. Oh wow, uh, hard to believe, but little did they know in just five days from that point, this man actually. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, even over them. They don't know that at the time. Just five days from now, these same soldiers that's there, probably the same ones that were gambling for his vesture. Um, Maybe one of these soldiers that was standing there unhappy to be there that day was the one that went up and punched his sword in the side of Jesus as water flowed out of his side. So those soldiers there. Now, some other people that were there that we definitely know were the disciples. These guys have been following Jesus around for three years. And uh, they would spent the last uh, three years going from place to place watching Jesus perform miracles, uh, raising the dead of all things and healing people and gathering large crowds and uh, teaching in the synagogues. I mean, this guy was popular, and so to them, I'm sure this was their shining moment, thinking, this is the day we've been waiting on. The day when Jesus finally proclaims himself to be king, and comes in and conquers and rules and reigns. I bet James and John were wondering which one of us is going to have the highest rank in the in the kingdom. Uh, but they all probably had their sights on some royal position in the in the kingdom there to be established and maybe be his advisors. And uh, this probably looked really good to the disciples. I mean, it would. Uh, somebody that you have followed around and have believed is going to be the the ruling king uh, there. And, um, and so it must have thrilled their hearts to see Jesus being treated with such respect and love and all the people throwing their cloaks and palm branches down in front of him, treating him like a true king. This would be what they would have done to King David uh, as he came in to Jerusalem. Now, little did they know, though, in just five days from now, they would basically desert him. Uh, Peter would deny that he even knew him. Not once, but three times. Judas would betray him for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. And uh, the rest of them would run for their life because of all the controversy going around. Now, Jesus, of course, they'd be taken. He'd be arrested. He'd be beaten, abused, and nailed to a cross, crucified, and killed. So the disciples were there. The Roman soldiers were there. The Bible tells us about the Pharisees. Now, we all know these guys are the religious leaders of the day, decked out in their best Pharisaical costumes, uh, in large borders. You know, Jesus called them hypocrites, which is a actor on a stage, is what that means. Um, and so when I say they're costumes, that's exactly what it was. They put them on to be an actor. They acted like they were something that they really was not. And so they have the enlarged borders on their robes showing how holy they were. Uh, they're supposed to be dedicated to God and teaching everything about God and the law and and uh, uh people the ways of god that was supposed to be their job but they were doing the exact opposite they they didn't have the love of god in their hearts all they had was the laws uh they hated jesus with all their being in fact jesus told them if you if you knew my father you would know me uh, obviously you don't know my father because you don't know me and uh so they hated him with all their their being And this large crowd that was swooning over Jesus, you know, just uh, swooning, (laughs) this made them very jealous, and it enraged them. And all they want to do is kill him at this point and have it over with. And so several of them also, they gathered together and were talking about it. There in verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive you how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. I can just see this little jealous crowd of Pharisees standing around looking at all this taking place and saying, can you believe this? All the world's gone after this guy. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill that Lazarus too. Get rid of all this. And so little did they know, just in the few days, this man they hated would indeed be hanging on a cross, shedding every drop of his blood for them. For them. So the Pharisees were there, the disciples were there, the Roman soldiers were there. But the Bible talks about the large crowd of people, all these people. Some were there, like we said, because of the excitement that was going on. They'd heard about this Jesus. They'd heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. There were eyewitness accounts of this. This wasn't something done in the secret and people just talked about it. No, people saw it happen. They were there, present, when he, all he simply did was say, Lazarus, come forth, and here the man comes back from the dead. Uh, so this is big, big stuff. And so there are a lot of people there, a lot of these crowds that were there just to see what was going on. A lot like people following celebrities around today. If you watch uh, old film clips when the Beatles came to the United States, it was outrageous. Uh, they were just people just masses of them screaming and carrying on uh they say the same thing with elvis whenever he was around all this happened like that uh but this large crowd um you could call them sometimes they call them groupies they follow people around you know how they do and uh, this is something different it's exciting and it's happening here in the middle of where they live and so why not why not be in it uh, you know, a lot of people flock to places because of things they hear that pleases their flesh. If I posted on Facebook, we was going to be, I don't know, hosting a, uh, let's say, a, a a rock, uh gospel rock group here. And uh, all this stuff. People be, we couldn't even get the people, the, our road wouldn't be able to hold the number of people coming out for that. Because people are crazy. They come out to have their flesh pleased. That's why a lot of these so-called mega-churches, they offer all the things of the world to get the world in there uh, because they want the world's money, they want the world's applause, they want the world's people in there. And that's the most thing on their mind. And so, you know, most people really don't care about Jesus or, or worshiping him. They just come to worship themselves and their flesh. And a lot of these people here are there to have their own flesh pleased because they were there. If they had Facebook at the time, somebody would have been live streaming it like we are right now. They'd be live streaming here with uh, watching Jesus coming in on a donkey, look, you know, doing a selfie and all this stuff. Um, they'd be on Twitter tweeting about it, you know. Roman soldier looks upset, ha <laughs> ha, you know, something like that, lol. Anyway, so you had all these people, and of course, this is this is Jewish people. All these people, most of them were Jewish. They're excited. They're singing, they're dancing, they're laughing, uh, shouting. A lot of them are praising God. Some of them that believe, truly believe, they're shouting hosannas. The Bible tells us, and it was the Passover time. They were they. Some of them thought they were welcoming men, the new king, and so his fame had spread across the land, healing people, and it was a, it was just the perfect moment in time. Now. Little did they know, those people that day that were cutting down the palm branches and throwing their cloaks on the, on the ground and shouting hosannas, these same people would later on, just uh, five days from then, be yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. The same people, no doubt. Little did they know because of this rejection of their true Messiah that they would be cursed. Their land would be cursed. Their city would be cursed. Their homes, their families, they would be destroyed. All because of their unbelief in Jesus, their promised Messiah. Now, of course, the crowds were there and the Pharisees, the disciples and and the uh, Roman soldiers. We know all that. But there was another person there, Jesus. Jesus was there. The spotless Lamb of God. If you were standing off to the the top, looking down and seeing coming up, you'd see the blessed Redeemer. You would see the Savior of the world. You would see that promised Messiah that the prophets had prophesied about all through the ages. You would see the line of Judah that was coming. You would see the lamb that was to be slain. You would see the king of kings and lord of lords. You would see a man that would sacrifice everything for sinners. I see a man there, the Bible says, that it pleased God to bruise him. As Jesus rode upon that little donkey up through that crowd of people, yelling out, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel. He knew that they'd be like ravenous wolves that would turn upon him just a few days later and he would be like a sheep to the slaughter. Yet he loved them with every ounce of his blood, willing to be a sacrifice. Now, as I look out on that crowd of all these people, I see somebody else there. I see myself there. I see me there in that crowd that day. Lost as lost could be. I see you there in that crowd. Lost. Hopeless. No way to save yourself. And I see Jesus as he turns and looks at you. He looks at me. And he loves us. Yeah, we were in that crowd that day. We sang the song at the first beginning of the service. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I can imagine Jesus, and he knows all. He can look ahead in time. And no, that little boy, six years old, sitting on the pew at Elm Street Baptist Church didn't have hope in this world. And he saved him. Perhaps he saw you sitting there that day, in your pew, or in the car, or out in the yard, or in your bed, or wherever it was, that the Lord came to you and saved you. He sees everyone. He saw the world's population that day. All through the portals of time. As my dad often said, we can only see what's immediately in front of our face. But the Lord, he sees all. He sees everything from the beginning all the way through eternity. He knows and sees everything and everyone. Did he look out on that crowd in vain that day? Later to give his life only for just a few people? Some people believe that, that he only gave his life to save a few. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he came to save the world. He gave his life for the world. I want to ask you today have you ever, has there ever been a time when you realized you were a lost sinner? You needed to be saved, you repented of your sins. You turn from trusting in your own self to turning to Jesus and trusting Him, repenting of your sins, and calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Have you ever made that decision? If you're watching this on live stream right now, listening to it later on or watching later on, maybe on Sermon Audio or YouTube or uh, Vimeo or wherever we broadcast these messages, has that time ever happened? Have you made a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus to save you? Because he saw you that day, as he came up that hill on that little donkey, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he looked out and saw your face, and he came to die for you. Oh, let's pray together, Heavenly Father God. We come to you today, thank you for the message, Lord. I thank you that you saw me that day, Lord. I'm praying for that one today that has never been saved, God. They've Put it off. Or, Lord, they've, they've just uh, fought against it. Lord, maybe they realize they're lost. And, God, they, they love their sin so much that they they refuse to give in. Or they refuse to repent and call upon your name for salvation. Lord, would you convict their heart? Show them that it, b- before long, God, that you'll, you're going to call your people out of here. And, Lord, they'll be left here all alone, God, to face the wrath. God, and then for eternity in hell for those that's not been saved. Lord, I pray for them. Lord, convict their heart. Lord, may they be saved today. God, help us here at Porchlight to be the best that we can be. And Lord, we want to give you the honor, praise, and glory for everything you've done for us. Thank you for letting us remember that Palm Sunday. Hosanna, our King. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been good to be here today, God's house. Pray the Lord's bless you through his word. And uh, again, don't forget, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And Lord willing, we'll preach an Easter message if he allows. And uh, are all hearts and minds clear this morning? All right. Well, in fear of the Lord, we're separated.